Welcome to the Fantasy Football Brothers Podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson, and we are officially at the midseason mark for the 2022 season. Wow, halfway through, and I don't know if it feels like it or not, honestly, but maybe it does. I don't know. If I don't feel too strongly <laughs> either way, it probably does, so yeah. that's fair. Uh, here we go. We'll go over our uh, picks, our difference in picks. Blake uh, has 69 correct on the season. I have 74 correct on the season, so what's what's the, any... Any ground gained on your end? No update from last nope. week. We are <laughs> every time we pick differently, wow. uh, it always balances out. You get a few right, wow. I get a few right, and that's so, surprising. Yeah, it is. That was that's really surprising because I made some bold choices. Um, I felt so. Huh. Yeah, interesting. And your bold choices didn't really pay off. It was really more the no. the obvious ones that that uh, that you missed there. So fair enough. That being said, uh, let's talk about the teams that are on a buy, and, and we should. Uh, We'll kind of mention a few of these in upcoming weeks because they're on a buy, but a few a few big trades were happening uh, yeah. on Tuesday this week. So let's go ahead and run down the teams, and then we'll kind of talk about who went where. Um, so we've got the two and six Steelers, the three and five Browns, the three and five Broncos, the four and four Forty Niners. A lot of fours in that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, okay. six, the six and two Giants and the six and two Cowboys. Wow. Uh, it's tough to see the Broncos with the losing record lumped in with some of those lower end teams. I'm kind of surprised the 49ers went four and four, but uh, yeah, they they'll probably end off better. But yeah, are you so are you wanting to talk about the trades now or save that for kind of later? Um, when we talk about well, their I think, respective teams. That... I think for the ones that are on a buy, like the Steelers traded away Chase Claypool to the Bears. We'll talk about him later. Uh, yeah, Chase Edmonds went to the Broncos. He's got his uh, bye week a little earlier than anticipated, and uh, <laughs> yep. Bradley Chubb, a uh, obviously not a fantasy relevant unless you're doing IDP, but a uh, big mm-hmm. move for the Miami Dolphins defense there. For sure. Involved in that one. And then the 49ers traded away Jeff Wilson Jr. to, who would have guessed it, Miami. Yeah, they instantly replaced him. Uh, so we'll talk more about the ramifications about that later. But I, for one, had Edmonds and Jeff Wilson on my roster. So that was interesting to see so many moves with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, we'll move on to Thursday Night Football, which is the Eagles at the Texans. 14-point favorite Eagles, where I'll go ahead and say away from home 14-point favorite, but I'll <laughs> go ahead and take them in my prediction. Um, so... Week 8 was kind of a weird one for the Eagles. Uh, Jalen Hurts threw four passing touchdowns. That's already weird enough, but three of them went to A.J. Brown, so a lot of the points from last week were between those two players, honestly, alone, and the Eagles rested many of their starters in the fourth quarter. Was They were against the Steelers last week, right? Yeah. I believe that's true. Yeah, that's at least the second time that's happened against the Steelers. That team has rested uh, some starters mm-hmm. against them, I'm pretty sure. So uh, not a good look for them, that defense at all. Yeah. Uh, no, they're definitely no missing T.J. Watt. Yes, for sure. Um, and then with Devontae Smith is the only play I'll really focus on. He had 7.3 fantasy points, 5 receptions, 8 targets. I'll just ask you point blank, and I think you'll probably agree with me. Is he a buy-low candidate? Well, here's the thing. I, I'm not really sure if anyone's going to be panicking over one game uh, to, ch- sure. to take him because, you know, he's coming off... Uh, uh, Obviously, the bye week in week seven, but before that, 15.5 points against Dallas and 18.7 at Arizona. I think whoever's rostering Devontae Smith in your league is likely going to probably view this one as more of a, a, a blip on the radar than a uh, something to panic over. I agree. Maybe worth submitting a trade just just for fun, because uh, I think that is the correct perspective. So if sure. the manager that has him believes that, then they will probably keep him. But worth a shot, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
All right, we'll move on to the Texans. Uh, Damian Pierce was a very inefficient runner in Week 8, 2.33 yards per carry, but he had a receiving touchdown, and he's had 16 receptions in his last four games, so he's getting utilized heavily uh, through the air, which is great for his PPR floor. He really uh, exceeded our expectations. It seemed like all the hype going into the season with the rookie just because he was doing well in the preseason seemed like a, it was maybe reaching a little bit on what his value could be. He was really rising up on ADP. Mm-hmm. But, and we're like, it's the Texans' offense. But he's, he's proven a lot of us wrong, and he's getting that usage that he got more usage than he had in college. So that's usually not uh, the norm for a rookie in the NFL. But uh, he's legit. And I would venture to say that this offense is making him the focal point, and I think that's really hurting Brandon Cook specifically. Um, I'll talk about Davis Mills, who threw for 152 passing yards on 12 completions in Week 8. So not a whole lot of volume. 17 completions, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not a whole lot of volume for his uh, pass catchers. And that's what I'm saying is that Brandon Cook's ceiling is limited due to that. He's seen four receptions in three straight games. That's very low for him. Um, And I think the team is pivoting to Pierce being the focal point of this offense. And I think it's hurting Brandon Cook's ceiling. And there's really no one else that probably is being rostered. Maybe Nico Collins, but he's been injured a lot. But... Do you think my assessment of this offense's focal points is correct? Yeah, generally I would say so. I mean, I think obviously lower expectations for Damian Pierce. He he caught that touchdown uh, with about uh, 46 seconds left in the game. So um, yeah. his day was kind of salvaged by that, that garbage time score. But um, yeah. I, I agree with you. He is being featured in a uh, work workhorse type load. Um Nico Collins has been rolled out for this game already, so Brandon Cooks yeah. gets a slight uptick there. But it's the it's the Philadelphia Eagles secondary, one of the best in the NFL yeah. currently, and so lower expectations for all Houston Texans. Um, I want to quickly double back on the Eagles here and talk about uh, Miles Sanders, who, you know, we watched uh, Derrick Henry run all over the Texans last week. I do expect I do expect a big game from Miles Sanders in this one because it's a great matchup. Yeah, unless Jalen Hurts takes it all for himself, <laughs> but I think it is likely that Sanders will do well. Uh, I agree with that. But we're both picking the Eagles in this one to win yeah, Thursday night football. no upset here. They stay undefeated. No. All right, we'll move on to Sunday, Chargers at Falcons. Uh, the Chargers were on by in Week 8. This team's really struggling with injuries, both offensively and defensively. I yeah. know that, uh, that much at least. So that is disappointing for them. Uh, this AFC West division is not looking as amazing as it once was touted to be going into the season, but... We'll see what happens. Um, Austin Eckler saw his highest snap percentage, 77% in week seven. So that's great. Um, you traded for him. We talked about it a little bit last week. And uh, yeah, you're feeling like he's legitimately elite, would you say? For oh, yeah, Eckler? for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> um, and then with the pass catchers, Mike Williams is out for multiple weeks due to his high ankle sprain. Uh, I believe that he's like almost certainly not going to play this week. Oh yeah, them having the bye last week was pretty good timing for him, but alas, uh, Keenan Allen didn't practice on Monday. I don't know about Wednesday. Uh, check on that, but just stay monitoring that 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 hamstring injury that continues to plague him. Um, I, if I was a Keenan Allen manager, I'd be very annoyed with that. He's played two games this season, and. Yeah, all over one hamstring injury, so that's that's rough. Yeah, Do you have any sort of update on Wednesday's practice, potentially? Um, yes, he did not practice on Wednesday. Um, okay. Continue to monitor him as he uh, progresses. He's been day-to-day for months now, um, as we kind of you know joke around here. But, um, yeah. yeah, this is a situation that is obviously not ideal. This, this hamstring injury is lingering. And uh, it's it's definitely causing some frustration. I, 
you know, he's a super talented player when he's healthy, but at some point you kind of have to uh, maybe cut ties and salvage what you can with the season that's remaining. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on that, Carson? Yeah, I, it's difficult. I feel like you're saying, what are you proposing that a manager that has him does? Uh, trade him away to a team that can afford to keep him on their bench. I think that's fair. Like, yeah. if he is really dragging down, uh, because he should be, with how you drafted him, your wide receiver two, maybe even wide receiver one. So yeah. if he's, you haven't had a good replacement there, I, I do agree that someone might see it as an enticing option if their depth was better than they had expected. So I think that is fair. Um, so potential people that could fill in for the absence of Williams and even Keenan Allen this week would be Gerald Everett. Has seen 16 targets across his past two games. And uh, also Joshua Palmer, who mm-hmm. I believe has been out, let me check this real quick, since week six. But in week six, he had nine receptions on 12 targets. So do you like both of those potentially as being fill-in options or one of them more? I, yeah, and I'm, I'm even thinking that DeAndre Carter could be a sneaky sure. uh, flex option this week. Um, given the given how barren this wide receiving room is set to be if both of those players yeah. miss in Williams and Allen. I think that's fair because he's Herbert's got to throw the ball to someone. And uh, I'll I, talk about Herbert a little bit because go ahead, you guys. I'm just going to say before. I think that person's going to be Austin Eckler. That is true. That is true. He is definitely the player you want in this offense, and uh, you got him. <laughs> so over Justin Herbert's past two games, he's thrown two passing touchdowns and two interceptions on 531 passing yards across 108 passing attempts. So he's slinging it, yeah. but it's not really amounting to an incredible a lot of great production. Um, Herbert is currently the QB 13 after his bye. How do you value him? Do you feel like you still have to start him for sure? Uh, well, this matchup doesn't concern me. Um, Falcons' sure. defense just put up, or just allowed, I should say, 30-plus real NFL points to uh, P.J. Walker. So yeah, I think if there's a week where you feel good about starting Justin Herbert, it is going to be one of these weeks, although, you know, the lack of options he has is concerning. I think that is fair, um, especially with where you draft him, though. You pro- he probably is clearly your best option. Oh, okay, we'll talk about this differing. We're differing <laughs> on who we're picking. We'll talk about that later. It is a close one, though. Uh, the Falcons, though, I'll talk about specifically. Both Cordero Patterson and Damian Williams are eligible to return from IR this week. Uh, I've never really wanted to have Tyler Algier or Caleb Huntley just because it's not a great offense. They're getting production, but they're splitting it. But now that Patterson's back, I feel like you can probably start Patterson and feel pretty good about it, but it's just it's just another mouth to feed, potentially, so maybe you wouldn't feel amazing about it. It seems like you have an opinion. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, as of recording this, he's not officially cleared to play, um, but he is on, yeah. on schedule to uh, make his return from IR. So I just want to... Yeah, so monitor know, that, of course. Yeah, yeah. I want to clarify that, because if it's, not, if it's not a situation where Patterson or Williams are playing, um, I think that Algier probably remains fantasy relevant. Okay, I think I think that's fair. So yeah, don't don't drop him unless you see confirmation on Patterson, uh, most likely Patterson, but even Williams as well. Uh, Marcus Mariota had his season high in passing touchdowns in a game uh, this season with three passing touchdowns. Uh, that's pretty good. And tied his season <laughs> high pass completions in a game with uh, twenty. That's not as impressive. Um, 
Very yeah, efficient. 20 being your season high in pass completions. Yeah, very efficient for sure. Yeah. So with Kyle Pitts, sell high is probably what I'm going to say. He had 19 fantasy points, five receptions on nine targets, receiving touchdown. Do you I'm gonna, agree? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back a little bit on this because I think it's really right. tough. It's really tough to, to trade tight ends. Um, sure. There are so few elite or fringe elite options that when you have one of these players that has this kind of upside, um, I think you kind of got to stick with it. I, the, the problem is that, like, w- what do you get in return for Kyle Pitts unless you have a, you know, maybe a, like a, uh, uh, an Evan Ingram in tow? Like, you know what I mean, though? Yeah, I do. It's an awkward valuation, so... I think that you could entertain using him as a trade piece, but I wouldn't force anything, so I do see what you're saying, because yeah. it is an awkward valuation. It's just about how maybe someone else could perceive that production and be like, oh, uh, this is the new norm all of a sudden, which I uh, could be a little skeptical of. But yeah. And Drake London hasn't had more than four receptions since week two, so he started the season very strong. Yeah, but this makes my bold take, my bold prediction of Drake London getting double-digit receiving touchdowns, it makes it really hard to accomplish. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it was looking feasible, uh, surprisingly, Early after on. the first two weeks yeah. of the season. But that being right, I'm said... I'm picking the Chargers, and you're picking the Falcons, and I think it is a close one. I definitely think it is. Yeah, um, I'm going to... I just think... I was just Go gonna ahead. say I'm gonna bank on uh, I'm gonna bank on Keenan Allen not playing in this one, and so I think that's enough yeah. uh, for the Falcons. Who, by the way, the Chargers lost uh, 37 to 23 prior to their Week Eight bye uh, yeah. against the Seahawks. So uh, the Falcons can certainly get it done at home. I'm just looking as more as I think they can bounce back mm-hmm. from that after a bye week, but. That is true, and that can't be... I feel like that was kind of overlooked, because their bye week was nicely timed to have people not really focus on that. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a difference between us. All right, we'll move on to Dolphins at Bears. Um, I won't be picking the Bears again. <laughs> that's that's fair. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa threw for 382 passing yards and three passing touchdowns in Week 8, so that's great. Uh, I saw on social media, I believe, that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Walter... Waddle are the fastest teammates to combine for 1,600 receiving yards in a season. Uh, that's incredible. They're both averaging like almost 100 receiving yards a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Um, and that shows this offense, if you forgot, is a passing offense when Tua is healthy. So here you go. But they did trade away a running back, as we already mentioned, of Chase Edmonds to the Broncos. And this is more evidence that the Dolphins believe in Raheem Mostert as their backup or it's their lead back, sorry, but not so fast. Uh, as San Francisco agreed to send Jeff Wilson Jr. to Miami, a reunion with head coach Mike McDaniel, which I think that is interesting because he coached both of those players as the offensive coordinator when they were both in San Francisco. Is yes. that yeah? Is that right? All right, I think that is interesting. Um, so I guess I'll ask you: How do you value Edmonds and Wilson? I have them both. So do you think this is good for them, bad for them, <laughs> neutral after this move? I think I think it's borderline neutral and or a slight downgrade for chase Edmonds. um he's just uh yeah denver is throwing so many running backs at the wall to see what sticks you've got latavius murray melvin gordon marlon mack and uh mike boone on ir and now chase Edmonds is in the mix um i don't think all of those players remain long term um like meaning the remaining the remainder of the season uh but chase Edmonds is definitely seemingly buried on that depth chart 
And uh, for for Jeff Wilson, you know, you have you have a new handcuff. Uh, He went from a handcuff in San Francisco to a handcuff in Miami. So uh, not great. Yeah, not really. Uh, As someone who has Raheem Mostert, I'm glad that I happen to have Jeff Wilson now as the handcuff just automatically. So that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you, Chase Edmonds, who will be on by this week, as we've already noted. Yeah. Um, if he does very little in week 10, I think you can drop him. Yeah, probably. But uh, maybe even now. But I would probably still hold on to him, honestly. Through the bye? Why? Who knows? Why not? Unless there's, I mean, unless there's a better... I think he's droppable uh-huh. is the best way to say it. Yeah. If th- you need to. He is. Yeah. But I think that I would personally like to see what happens in week 10. As a Broncos fan, I completely get that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll move on to the Bears, who acquired Chase Claypool from the Steelers via trade. I think this has to be... Oh, God, that's actually difficult to say. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, it's we're probably talking, neutral. We're talking about upgrade, downgrade. Upgrade slash downgrade or neutral on the move yeah, for Claypool. probably neutral. I think it is. I think it, it has the potential for a slight upgrade because you, you got to think going from you know probably the number three to the number two passing option is promising. Uh, the the real challenge is going to be, and as you have it noted here, Justin Fields has uh, his season high in pass completions is seventeen, so that's extremely low uh, for the passing Woo-hoo. volume on this offense. Um, Claypool is a talented player at times. Um, does have that nice uh end zone threat build you know he's a tall guy i think he's around six five six four and uh yeah i think he you know that makes that makes a good target for contested catches in the red zone but the problem is that sure. when the bears are running as effectively as they are they're i believe they're still leading the league in rushing um yeah that, i think i've heard that i think they're yeah. definitely near the top limits the upside so um for sure mostly a neutral move possibly an upgrade if uh, if you know the the passing offense improves yeah i mean it's something to see if it can become a beneficiary uh, i don't know it, 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 he was borderline droppable going into this so i guess anything could yeah. be good but we'll just see what happens um all right i'll talk about those running backs that we kind of alluded to so david montgomery on 70 percent of snaps uh, had 8.5 fantasy points 15 carries for 53 yards three receptions 22 yards and a fumble and then Khalil Herbert, meanwhile, on 28% of snaps, so way fewer. Yeah. But he had 16 rushes for 99 yards and a rushing touchdown. So what's going on here? I feel like this is like three straight weeks in a row where Herbert has been way more efficient than Montgomery. Yeah, you know what this reminds me of is the uh, the Dallas backfield. You've got yep. kind of an aging star in, uh, in Zeke, who's... You know, obviously being shown up by the less used Tony Pollard. Yeah. Um, this is kind of the same scenario here we find with Chicago. So um, I think Khalil Herbert needs to be rostered in more leagues than he is currently. Um, yeah. David Montgomery seems to be kind of losing his grip on this uh, on this backfield based on production. I don't know if the coaching staff will necessarily make that change because they have been quoted as saying that, you know, we like our one-two punch in Montgomery and Herbert. So I think Herbert is an upside uh, stash. And, you know, with Montgomery, based on him getting the starting reps, you're probably going to have to continue to start him. Uh, but yeah, it's not it's not a great matchup in general. That's what's difficult about it. There's not going to be a reality where they're just like, they're going to bench Montgomery for Herbert when mm-hmm. Montgomery's healthy. So it becomes a lot like that Dallas backfield. So I agree with that. Um, 
yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. So we're both picking the Dolphins in this one. Probably not too bold. <laughs> not as bold as I was last week. And uh, we'll move on to Panthers at Bengals. So with the Panthers, uh, Deontay Foreman boomed for 31.8 fantasy points. Back-to-back games with 100-plus rushing yards, but only two receptions across those two games. Uh, Chuba Hubbard was inactive in Week 8. That is a key thing to note. Um, but how do you value Deontay Foreman going forward? Well, I think he is a, I think he's an RB2, um, but I also like the prospect of selling high on these back-to-back big weeks for Deontay Foreman. Um, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I sold high on him uh, going into Week 8, so prior to this <laughs> performance, but... Um, yeah. And I know that you're bitter because you considered picking him up, but then just oh, seemingly I, didn't. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna say I, I would I literally was a click away from just dropping Jeff Wilson for Deontay Foreman, so I'm just gonna tell myself, hey, Tuber uh, Hubbard is gonna make this to where Foreman is not gonna be that great, and I kept Wilson, who's my now my handcuff for Mostert. I I had it was all planned all along. It's a lot of copium <laughs> going on over there. Um, yep, that is what's happening. But no, I, I think that Chuba Hubbard returning does complicate matters. I think if you can capitalize on Foreman's, uh, uh, you know, he's been working, operating as a uh, as a lead back in these past two weeks. If you can capitalize off of that, that would be ideal, um, because the the volume and the usage is going to likely reduce when Hubbard is healthy. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that this is Foreman's peak value. Mm-hmm. Almost certainly. Right now. Um, talk about someone who could potentially be at their peak value, but maybe not. DJ Moore, 27.5 fantasy points, 6 receptions on 11 targets, a receiving touchdown, 152 receiving yards, and even a rush for 3 yards. Uh, sell high or hold? Um, DJ Moore. I think with DJ Moore, we're probably going to want to lean more towards holding, and I think that that might be a little controversial. Okay, good. I do Um, agree, actually. So this is kind of more reminiscent of the player that we saw from DJ Moore last year. Um, A lot of targets, not the most uh, efficient in those targets, but he's getting the volume. He doesn't have a lot of competition, especially with Christian McCaffrey now gone. Um, in yeah. those in the passing game and so i think that dj moore is kind of the big fish in the little pond uh, on this team i think that's fair the only other pass catcher you can really name is second year wide receiver terrace marshall who saw nine targets while playing 93 percent of snaps in week eight is he worthy of a waiver acquisition or not <laughs> i don't know i think you know we talked about early in the season with uh i'm drawing a blank on his name uh robbie anderson and how he showed some signs early in the year and then kind of disappeared. Now, obviously, that was under Baker Mayfield, and now we're in the uh, P.J. Walker era, and (laughs) uh, (laughs) potentially, I'll say. We've yet to see two fantasy-relevant wide receivers out of this offense, Um, so if you have the space on your bench, feel free to pick up Terrace Marshall, see what he does in the coming weeks. Um, this is not necessarily a week where I'm putting him out there, although there are six teams on a buy. Um, but yeah. more likely than not, if you were talking about picking him up off of waivers, you may already be rostering better options. All right. I agree. I were talking about the Bengals, who were surprisingly dominated by the Browns in Week 8 yeah. in Monday Night Football. Um, I'll read this stat straight from a PFF article. Uh, Chris Evans who is listed as the Bengals' third running back on their depth chart, played one snap in the first half. On that play, he caught a 26-yard pass. 
he was leading the team in receiving yards for the first 40 minutes of the game. Uh, that's crazy to yeah, me. It was, well, if you watched any of that game, you would have thought the, the Bengals were, had too much candy before the game because they looked <laughs> lethargic and they looked like underprepared for this game, really. Um, the play calling was very conservative, a lot of checkdowns. I mean, as you, as you mentioned later on, Joe Mixon had seven receptions in this game. He was getting targeted yeah. out of the backfield constantly. And it just felt like without Jamar Chase there, the, the, Cincinnati Bengals looked confused and lost like oh god how do we play football like it was weird yeah and to add on to that T Higgins and Tyler Boyd were both unproductive other than getting a touchdown to save their respective fantasy days and you know it is difficult Chase will be out for another few weeks I believe Um, so you have to assume that Higgins and Boyd will step up so do you think this is an opportunity to buy low on them um, I think that it's it's going to be difficult to buy low on them because everyone should understand the roles that they currently exist yeah. in uh, with Jamar Chase out. I was almost thinking when when you saw when I saw these notes that you were asking if we should buy low on Jamar Chase. Um, oh, and that's certainly an option if you're if you're comfortably in the lead in your in your league that's and you too. can afford to hold on to Jamar Chase for a few weeks. That might be a great choice, um, but. For Higgins and Boyd, I think that their value has taken an uh, an uptick in the news that Chase has uh, been uh, either placed on IR or headed to IR. Um, yeah, the problem that I really feel like is apparent with this Monday night game was that both players pretty much got lucky and sort of bailed out on their touchdowns. Yeah. Tyler Boyd's touchdown catch was tipped by a defender before it found his hands. And with <laughs> T Higgins, it was a, a clear 50, 50 ball uh, that just Higgins got up and went up and got it. So yeah, yeah I, I'm a little concerned about this offense moving forward. Although uh, Carolina uh, at home for, for Cincinnati is a good matchup for them to bounce back. Yeah. For sure, it could be kind of a reset for them, which we thought we saw two weeks ago. But yeah, and then you we'll know, a week ten, back. a week ten buy coming up, so you know maybe a chance to kind of re- recollect and and sure. uh, improve on that game plan moving forward. Yeah, despite our concerns about this offense, we're both picking them to beat the Panthers. Yeah, um, we'll move on to Packers at Lions divisional matchup. So, the Packers, always so fun to talk about. Aaron Rodgers' season high for passing yards in a game came in week three with 255. I was surprised that seems very low. Um, It's not surprising with how we've been talking about this offense, but still, uh, something to note because that's very low for him halfway through a season to be a season high. Uh, Rodgers had 19 pass completions in week eight. That's very low, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, not great for him with obviously feeling the the pains of missing Devonte adams um it's been rough for this team and i saw a lot of memes about like this whole division i don't even which division this nfc whatever north. it is with the packers nfc north uh you know a lot of the uh, the three other teams were kind of active on, tr- on the trade deadline day and the packers were doing nothing i just saw memes about rogers wanting a wide receiver and just no <laughs> nope we're not gonna get one it is kind of surprising uh, but the wide receivers they do have, I, Romeo Dobbs. I did hear that they were in the mix. I did hear they were in the mix for Chase Claypool, but couldn't get it done. Oh, interesting. That would have been interesting. Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you would think that maybe someone can step up. Uh, that's what we've been saying halfway through this entire season, but it's not really happening. 
Yeah, I, I was it's hoping, really and of course, you know, this is uh, hindsight, but I was hoping that, you know, Brandon Cooks or Jerry Judy might find their way onto a different roster at the deadline, and, and Packers would have been a great landing spot for either of those guys. Yeah, I would have loved to see uh, Cooks go somewhere else, but Judy needs to stay. Uh, but I did see <laughs> definitely what, a lot of toxic. What did he do dealt. to hurt you? Nothing. I, I, <laughs> okay, I see. Romeo Dobbs found the end zone to help his fantasy day, but still only had four receptions, even while Alan Lazard was inactive. Yeah. So that's not great. He didn't take advantage of that opportunity, really. Um, well, that's because their game plan was pound the rock. Yeah, and you see it here. Aaron Jones had 143 rushing yards on 20 carries and four receptions. And A.J. Dillon even had 10 carries, so 30 carries just between the two of them. But would you be trying to trade Jones if he was on your fantasy roster, I guess kind of as a sell high? Or do you think he legitimately has the volume to be consistently in that well, even low-end RB1 discussion? I definitely wouldn't be trading him heading into a matchup against the Lions. They're one of the worst rush defenses, one of the worst one of the worst defenses in general in the NFL. So if anything, I'm holding on one more week. Um, yeah. Now, of course, if he doesn't, impressed then that kind of lowers his value trade wise but i still for think sure. that this is a great spot for him to perform well in and uh not something that i'm looking to get rid of right now yeah i uh i think that's fair you're kind of taking a little bit of risk waiting another week but he could definitely boom again against the lions which yeah. would make his value even higher so we'll talk about the lions uh, tj hawkinson traded to division rival vikings i kind of forgot about that aspect of it when i saw that happen yeah. Uh, as Irv Smith's high ankle sprain will likely keep him sidelined for 8-10 to 10 weeks. Um, I think that this is honestly great for Hawkinson. We'll talk about him later, right? Yes. The Vikings later on, probably? Yep. Yeah, yep. we can save that discussion for later then. He wasn't really getting utilized a whole lot in the Lions offense because, I mean, this whole offense is around Amon Ross State Brown as a pass catcher, um, and he was targeted the most by far among Lions pass catchers, seeing a total of 10 targets, of which he caught 7. So that's good. He's obviously always making your starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamal Williams had two rushing touchdowns on 13 total touches. So I'm going to say that he's probably not going to repeat that. And we've been saying that a lot this he's, year, but he's, he's just second, been wildly efficient. He is second in the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Yeah, wildly efficient. And I think that DeAndre Swift having 10 touches in total uh, is a lot to do with the fact that this was his first game back from injury since week three. So I expect him to just be way more involved this week another week uh hopefully off of that injury that he's dealing with jamal williams kind of reminds me of you know kind of some early seasons uh ceh production uh limited number of touches but the touchdowns are there and so jamal williams kind of persists as a touchdown dependent flex um he's not a player that i would want on my roster considering how uh volatile that usage can be it can result in some like three-point games. It can result in some fifteen-point games. Um, yeah. So, but that is kind of the case that we're finding uh, with this Lions backfield. And yeah, like you said, uh, DeAndre Swift limited in his first game back. Uh, but I think obviously better days ahead for him. He has been uh, one of the bright stars on this Lions offense. Yeah, for sure. So I agree that better days are ahead as well. Um, I think that Jamal Williams and this backfield, kind of a, not exactly a one-for-one comparison, but kind of early season Cardinals last season with Connor and Edmonds a little bit. Uh, Connor was just wildly efficient 
with his touchdowns, but I definitely think he had more of a role in that offense than Jamal Williams is uh, misleading you into thinking he has in this offense. But we're both picking the Packers to win this. Um, away from home, they're the favorites. Divisional matchup, I expect Rodgers to just get the win. And I think that, you know, the Lions might struggle a little bit, even though Hawkinson wasn't super involved. He'd been there for the past few years being involved, so I think that maybe it could hurt their offense a little bit to go out there without him uh, so soon. Potentially. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. All right, we'll move on to Raiders at Jaguars. Um, So you're picking the Jaguars. All right, (laughs) it's a close one, close spread on this one. Uh, But the Raiders were shut out by the Saints 24-zip in Week 8 in New Orleans. So that's not great. Uh, The Raiders put in some backups in the fourth quarter. That's how bad it was. Devontae Adams had one reception for three yards after accumulating... Uh, in his past three games, 20 receptions and 320 receiving yards. So that's obviously showing you that I think he's a buy low candidate. Uh, do you agree? Yeah. If <laughs> Although you, if you, you might take the perspective that how low can you really get Devontae Adams for? <laughs> I mean, that's 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 one argument. The other side is that, you know, Devontae Adams has, outside of this game, generally been very effective. Um, I'm going to pull up his yeah. game log here really quick. Um, the real question is, how, how did they only manage to get five targets in this game? This is a player that yeah. in week one, he saw 17 targets. So what what exactly is Vegas doing on the scheming side of things to not uh, generate some more looks for Devontae Adams in this game? It's just kind of uh, without without Marshawn Lattimore again, by the way. So it's not as though he was getting wow. shadowed and, and just, you know, pressed into the dirt. That was this. These are yeah. backup corners or, you know second string corners that are taking on Devonte adams and it's just it's kind of baffling but um this is only his second single digit performance of the season i think it's going to be hard to really uh quote unquote buy low on Devonte adams yeah. um That's and, fair. and it's not a player that i'm necessarily considering uh trading off of my team either because he has been so effective yeah i agree with that um i think uh i think people need to put a little bit more respect on his name i've seen some perspectives on social media that uh, maybe Devontae Adams was only so good because he had Aaron Rodgers for all of his career. No, that must have been people that Devontae just Adams watched very last legit. week. That was people that yeah. was people that were preying on his downfall and took the opportunity to finally speak yeah. up because he hasn't given them that opportunity. That's ridiculous. I agree. I agree that is ridiculous. Uh we'll move on to Josh Jacobs. <laughs> don't give the wrong haters light. Yeah. Yeah, don't listen to him. They're wrong. Josh Jacobs also a buy-low candidate, potentially, um, which I think that's more likely because he started the season at a much lower value than he was after he boomed the previous few weeks. But he had 7.4 fantasy points, 10 carries, 43 yards, two receptions. Yeah, so you agree? You think you should maybe go after him? Well, you're not going to be able to get him. That's the thing. Like, He's coming off minus this game, which negative game script is always bad for running backs that don't, uh, that don't get a lot of involvement in the passing game. But back-to-back-to-back 30-plus point games at running back, you can't trade that away. I think think if you were to panic on this one game and sell Josh Jacobs, you'd be making a major mistake. We just talked about him being a potential league winner last week. I agree. I think that me saying buy low is a little bit synonymous with you trust that there are better days ahead because you would be wanting to buy him at his current price. So okay, well, sure. That's we agree on that. Yeah, we agree on that. Maybe that's a better way to phrase it because yeah. it would be not a good idea to sell him. As I agree with you, but that's why. Hey, maybe throw out an offer. You never know how desperate someone could be. You I never suppose. Know. You never know. All right, we'll move on to the Jaguars. Uh, Etn season. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad how this 
oh, how this trajectory has changed for him mm-hmm. as having him on my team. But 27 total touches, 156 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown against the Broncos in London last week. Amazing. Um, I believe the only players that had more rushing yards than this, this was before the Monday game, so I don't know if Nick Chubb may have changed this. But uh, the only player that had more rushing yards was Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry after contact <laughs> were the nice. only players who had more rushing yards nice. than Travis Etienne last week. I thought that was a funny stat. Yeah. Anyways, Trevor Lawrence threw two interceptions on 133 passing yards and 18 completions. Uh, not great. But do you believe that there are better days ahead for him and his pass catchers? Or do you think that ETN is going to make this kind of a run-first offense? No, I definitely believe in Trevor Lawrence still. And this is a fantastic matchup. We just watched Andy Dalton throw all over the Raiders last week. So uh, yeah. why can't who Trevor Lawrence, who has shown signs of that second-year improvement, um, do the same thing against them this week at home? We're both picking the Jags to win this one, and I think that's a good call. Yeah. Thank you. I agree with you. Um, the only other Jaguars player I'll talk about specifically is Evan Ingram, who you actually mentioned a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, 15.5 fantasy points, four receptions, receiving touchdown. Played 93% of snaps. That's great usage. I think higher than really he ever had at the Giants, I was saying. Um, across his previous three games, Ingram had 23 targets, 15 receptions, and 176 receiving yards. That's pretty good, reliable numbers across the three-game stretch. So I'll ask you, worthy of any waiver acquisition for your team? I've been talking about him for weeks now. You're finally catching on. Yeah, um, I am. Yeah, Evan Ingram is definitely one of the targets uh, at tight end to be looking to get on your roster. Um, this is even a player that you could potentially you know, trade for. Like, I would be happy taking, uh, packaging Kyle Pitts and a and you know a player for Evan Ingram and a better player you know what I mean so yeah this is a player that has shown more consistent usage um, at the position to to kind of open up an opportunity for maybe dealing Kyle Pitts if you so choose yeah and let's not forget how good and consistent he was at the Giants early on in his career when he was healthy Um, so he has that ability he just has to stay healthy and he has so far this season Yeah, we're both picking the Jaguars, as we said, and we will move on to Colts at Patriots. So the Colts traded away Naeem Hines to the Bills in exchange for Zach Moss. Uh, Yippee. I don't really see Zach Moss having a ton of standalone volume, but Jonathan Taylor is dealing with some injuries that I think is keeping him out of practice. So monitor that because I don't know how likely it is for Zach Moss to be some sort of workhorse back uh, that Taylor hasn't even really been. No, it it would probably be... uh... Dion Jackson? Is that his name? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. It is. I agree. Dion Jackson, we've already shown, or we've already seen from him that he can fill in and do a fantastic yeah. job. The problem is, even if Jonathan Taylor does play, the Patriots are one of the best run defenses in the league, and I, and I know that uh, Chicago had their way with them a few weeks ago, Yeah. but um, only allowing, uh, I believe, two rushing touchdowns on the season to running backs. That is... Uh... That's a good stat for that defense, for sure. Yeah. Um, Hines had the most fantasy points out of any Colts player in Week 8 on only seven touches. I thought that was kind of a little fun fact for this offense. That's not great. Um, I keep on pitching by low, but I think this may be a better question. <laughs> by low on Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> yeah, certainly uh, it's in consideration. I think he's nearing his uh, season low value. Um, yeah. 
Jonathan Taylor has definitely struggled this season, and I think that the change at quarterback uh, maybe makes things a little bit worse considering that Ellinger has, or Ellinger, I don't, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce yeah. it, but either way, um, has a lot more utility with his legs than Matt Ryan did. Um, and so, you know, maybe there's some goal line touches that get taken away from Jonathan Taylor uh, for a, a QB sneak or, you know, a, a scramble type play. So, yeah, with Jonathan Taylor, I. <laughs> I mean, the problem is, like, how, how realistic do you think it is that he returns to uh, the player that we saw late last season? Not super likely, but I think him being projected 14 point something going into a week is very low for what I think he probably will end up climbing back up to. I mean, this is a player you'd be expecting to be have a projection of, like, 20-plus points every week, so that's just so much lower. Yeah, but he's only got one game on the season over 20 points, and that was in Week 1 at Houston, one of the worst rush defenses in the league. So, uh, I know. I think we're kind of seeing that, you know, Jonathan Taylor is obviously not a fraud, but uh, not worthy of the number one pick after all, which is unfortunate for a lot of people. Yeah, and for you that ended up with McCaffrey in both of your sleeper leagues, uh, kind of big... <laughs> Kind of against your own will because you were the second pick. It seems to be working out for you. Yeah, I'm and it also is a lot to say, and we'll talk about this next off season, I'm sure. Uh, just you need to draft players at their peak value. Like honestly, there's no surefire. Jonathan Taylor safe. McCaffrey's a risk. Well, obviously this is evidence that you can't even predict off of like past injury history, and it's not like been injuries that have really been limiting Taylor's usage. Although he's been injured more than. He usually has because he usually never was injured. But you can't use that logic of fear, honestly. you got to just have to go off of their peak value. That's kind of what I'm taking away from this. No, and I would say, if anything, this is more reminiscent of the fall that we saw Christian McCaffrey experience with his injury history. He was a, yeah. a lock-in, just absolute, reliable bell cow back. And then he started racking up the injuries and became less reliable. This season, he's not dealing with injuries, and you're seeing him return to form um, as the player that you, you know, know and love from years past so if anything i think that the the comparisons between those two players are more prevalent than than ever yeah and uh, i just got to get this fun fact out because we can't talk about the 49ers too much because they're on by but (laughs) mccaffrey's the first player to throw a passing touchdown have a rushing touchdown and have a receiving touchdown in the same game since i think ladanian tomlinson in Mm -hmm. 2006 is what i think it was so that was a fun fact for you. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Sam Ellinger's, that's what I'll say Here's pr- for the pronunciation's mm-hmm. debut. 17 for 23, 201 passing yards, and 6 carries for 15 rushing yards. So he had a very high completion percentage, but didn't throw for a ton of passing yards or completions. And I believe 3 of those 6 carries were on designed runs. So obviously that's different for how they would have used Matt Ryan, yeah. or Carson Wentz, or Philip Rivers, just going back a few <laughs> years of their offensive QBs. <laughs> their, yeah, their QBs. That is interesting. They've kind of been pivoting the old dudes around. But uh, yeah, Michael Pittman still saw 9 targets and 7 receptions on these limited passing numbers. And Alec Pierce uh, was second on the team for targets. So Sam Ellinger's throwing to the quote-unquote right people based off of value going into his debut. So you expect him to hopefully carry on with that completion percentage and throw the ball more, and maybe you can feel confident about those players. Um, yeah, that's what I'm taking away from it, at least. Fair enough. All right, we can talk about the Patriots, which I believe this is your notes now. 
Yeah, uh, I want to talk about the running backs, obviously. Ramondre Stevenson continues to lead this backfield, playing 63% of the snaps, kind of kind of reverting back to that 60-40 split that we were seeing uh, prior to Damian Harris's injury. Uh, Stevenson had 16 rushes for 71 yards and caught 7 of 8 targets. Uh, that's 8 targets in back-to-back games. So he is definitely emerging as the pass-catching back and the lead rusher in this offense. This is a win-win. Um, if you rostered or drafted Stevenson, I'll say. Um, Damian Harris on the other side, kind of a touchdown to Pundit Flex, which is unfortunate um, as a Patriots fan to see him kind of slipping in this team. Um, I don't necessarily see him coming back uh, or or being a part of the Patriots' future for much longer. Uh, Moving on to Jacoby Myers, do you have something to add? Uh, I'm almost a little surprised that they didn't trade him. Do you think that were you expecting them to potentially try and trade Damian Harris? No, I wasn't. I, I think that I think they like having two, you know, that is true. reliable running backs in their offense. It's a big part of their scheme. Um, but Bill with, likes his depth for sure. <laughs> that running yeah. back position, <laughs> uh, exactly. So with Jacoby Myers, he seems to be back as a high end wide receiver three with upside. Uh, he caught nine of his twelve targets for sixty yards and a touchdown. And how about Jacoby Myers? Uh, and I believe three of the last yeah. four games, he, he's, he's catching touchdowns, which is it's just so great to see. I know. I I love seeing it for him because. I had him on my on my team last season, and he was honestly a meme when he finally got his receiving touchdown. And mm-hmm. now, now it's not a meme anymore. He is legit. He's getting those receiving touchdowns, high production. I, I like to see it for him for sure. Yeah, I no. believe also that I saw. Uh, sorry, this is unrelated. This is oh. back to Ramondre Stevenson, but I believe that since week three, he's the PPR RB three. Uh, so that's kind of a fun fact. Hmm. <laughs> I like to. I like that because I have him. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're both picking the Patriots to win this one at home. Good news yep. on that front. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which is Bills at the Vikings, or sorry, Bills at the Jets. Um, yeah. Huge spread. Yes, division matchup. Twelve and a half point underdogs are the Jets at home. We love to see that. Um, Josh Allen showed a little bit of rest coming off of a bye, completing just 13 of his 25 attempts for 218 yards, two touchdowns, two questionable interceptions based on, uh, you know, why did you throw those? But uh, and uh. 49 yards on the ground from thri- from six rushes. Uh, this is his first multiple INT game since week one, so not really concerned, but uh, just some questionable play, uh, some questionable decisions on Josh Allen's part. Uh, coming in week eight on Sunday Night Football. Stephon Diggs continues his dominance at the wide receiver position, trailing only Tyreek Hill in PPR scoring through eight weeks. That's unexpected. Um, Yeah. And then let's talk about Gabe Davis for a moment. Uh, Disappointed fantasy managers in a big way on Sunday Night Football. He only managed to catch two of his seven targets for a lowly 35 receiving yards. This is a player that we've seen take a 98-yarder to the house and uh, big play upside. Um, efficiency can be a problem whenever you're the deep threat in an offense, but it's a Josh Allen-led offense. So he saw a season high in targets. That's a good sign, but a season low in efficiency to go along with that. Um, is Davis is Gabe Davis a player you're trading for or trading away if you roster him? I think you know my perspective on Gabe Davis. I would say for sure there are better days ahead for Gabe Davis after this performance because of the fact, like you said, he's in this Josh Allen-led offense. But going into week eight, he was averaging like a receiving touchdown every three and a half receptions. I don't really want that. And he's the second option. It is a great passing offense, but he's not even the first option. 
So personally for me, I would be trading away, but I do think there are better days. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, yeah, that's why I would trade away, because yeah. I think that there are... Uh, well, no, <laughs> uh, it's difficult. Trade away, that's what I'll say. I'm not going to try and appeal to the masses. I don't really would not be targeting Davis, um, but I do expect better than 5.5 points. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, moving on to Naheem Hines, who, as we mentioned, was traded to Buffalo in exchange for Zach Moss and obviously some draft picks here and there. Um, Carson, do you think this is an upgrade, a downgrade, or are you feeling like this move is neutral for Hines in fantasy? It's probably pretty neutral. I was, I'm trying to look up James Cook because I feel like he actually did something. Okay, not really, actually. Never mind. He got some late-game um, rushing use. Yeah, he did... Uh, kind of got his 25 percent of snaps he's only done better than that higher than that once in week two yeah so it's a little surprising to see them kind of punt on him be him being their uh their rookie that mm -hmm. they were gonna go for mm -hmm. and now they have naeem hines i think hines does profile as a great option theoretically in this offense as a pass uh, as a receiving uh running back but you know this is not a backfield i really want much stock in so i think that's fair. I think, you know, we yeah. talked about this is more of a real NFL move than a, than a fantasy move um, in terms of upgrades because uh, Buffalo attempted to get J.D. McKissick in this previous offseason, didn't end up getting him. Um, yeah. And now trading for Naheem Hines, I think this is more just Buffalo kind of uh, checking all the boxes. Do we, have a good, do we have a good pass down running back? Yes. Do we have a good quarterback yes do we have a good wide receiver core yes like they're just kind of you know checking the boxes off getting von miller yeah. was a huge acquisition so yes. uh, they are still the favorite to win the super bowl despite not being the undefeated team remaining in the nfl yes, um agreed. and I, I don't think that's all that controversial but um no. yeah this heinz acquisition i think is more for pursuing a ring and securing that uh championship win uh versus yeah anything that you can really act on in fantasy i will say it's it probably has to be a upgrade by definition just because he's going to a better offense and his value before was kind of low because naeem heinz has never had really standalone consistent value mm -hmm. so him just going to a better offense automatically is an upgrade i guess you could say yeah um but this has been a backfield that you have not really wanted to be uh have a share in as i previously said so that's what i'll say about it yeah, and, uh, and I'll go ahead and put it down here. I, I'll write it in for you. I think that we're both yeah, picking the Bills in this one. Um, but the Jets did have two big winners on their team in Week 8. They were Tyler Conklin, six catches on 10 targets, 79 yards, and two TDs. And Garrett Wilson, six catches, seven targets, 115 yards. Are you buying or selling on either of these players moving forward? Ah. Uh probably selling because it's a zach wilson led offense as we yeah. love to note although it is great to see that production from wilson as a rookie i'm more skeptical of conklin because two of your six catches are a touchdown but he had been looking good but not really with uh wilson not with wilson yeah with zach wilson that is um not Garrett Wilson. The Wilson brothers. Garrett Wilson and Zach Wilson. They have that chemistry. That's why he's staying consistent, I guess. Something maybe. tells no. me they're not related. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, but no, I'd probably sell because I don't really want a stock in this passing offense or probably this offense in general. Although I don't... I see that we're not focusing too much on James Robinson. 
Um, well, I do not expect a, him to. Yeah, the reason we're not really talking about James Robinson here is because you're not going to start him against the Bills, and yeah. they're heading into a bye in Week Ten. So we're going to have a few more weeks before we can really, and then New England after the bye. So it's it's going to be yeah, tough. Yeah, you sledding. never really expected him last week to just be like the every down back. No, not the same week not on the very first them, week so. on the team. So that yeah. is a that's definitely that's definitely a wait and see type situation with him. Uh, ready For to move sure. on? Yeah. All right, so the next one we got is Vikings at Commanders. Um, Kirk Cousins performed well off his Week 7 bye, completing 24 of 36 attempts for 232 yards, two touchdowns, and 22 rushing yards with an additional score using his legs. You like to see that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Six teams are on a bye this week, yet surprisingly few fantasy-relevant QBs are missing. Has Cousins earned starter consideration in a revenge game at Washington? I I think so. Um especially if that many teams on by, I think that although it might be difficult to predict how involved TJ Hawkinson will be the same week he got traded to them, I think that definitely is a big upgrade for Cousins to have mm. a third reliable option. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and that's not even including the, the running backs either. So that, Exactly. Uh, Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, as you were alluding to, remain lineup locks. Adam Thielen continues to serve as a flex with upside. He only has two touchdowns on the season, and that's following a combined total of 24 receiving touchdowns over the previous two years. So uh, we do expect some positive regression for Adam Thielen in this one. Um, And then TJ Hawkinson, yeah, like you said, retraded to the Vikings. Um, I think their window as 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 a franchise with the current roster that they have. The window to win it all is closing sooner rather than later. Obviously, you have Kirk Cousins aging. You have uh, Justin Jefferson playing on his rookie contract. So, you know, they're kind of in win-now mode, and they should be with uh, with a 6-1 uh, yeah. and one record. Or 6-1. And, and they yeah, should and one. have a very easy route to win that division. Yeah, definitely. Or not necessarily a route, but just very easy uh, chance. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, so I think this is a good move for the Vikings, uh, picking up that, like you said, third reliable pass catching option. And, uh, I don't, I don't blame you for going with that. I'm going to agree with you. I'm picking the Vikings in this one. Moving on to the commanders. We have kind of a uh, less desirable cast of characters here. Um, (laughs) Antonio Gibson led the running back by committee with 20.7 fantasy points on just 36% of the snaps. Uh, seven rushes for 19 yards and going seven for seven on targets for 58 yards and a touchdown back-to-back games with a receiving touchdown gibson still feels like a touchdown dependent flex based on his snap percentage and i mean single digit rushing attempts that's not really something that you're chasing after in (laughs) uh, in fantasy um and Brian Robinson saw a significant drop in snaps, 25%, only rushing eight times for 20 yards. He's not doing himself any favors uh, with that kind of stat line. You likely weren't starting him in PPR formats to begin with, um, but would you consider Robinson as a player to stash or possibly buy low on? Um, I'm trying to look up his... Uh, it, yeah, zero receptions. I think Well, that's why I mentioned the PPR formats. Like, in standard leagues, maybe it's a little bit more appealing. But, yeah, in PPR, he's going to be – he's either going to be volume-dependent or or touchdown-dependent. I think he's a stash no matter what because theoretically we knew how this team valued him going into the season. But Mm -hmm. the drop in snaps is not great. But uh, 
I wouldn't be buying low because I really don't want a piece of this backfield. But you're not. I don't do. Don't drop him. That's fair. Yeah. But don't buy low either. Yeah. Important to note that you know we when when, when week eleven rolls around, he's playing Houston. <laughs> so we'll talk about that uh, maybe eventually. No, not maybe. Yeah. It's definite. Um, moving on to the pass catchers, Terry McLaurin continues to prosper with the return of Taylor Heineke at quarterback. We like to see that. Uh, Curtis Samuel feels like a flex at best as his high volume of targets that we saw from him in the first month of the season have shifted to a much more inconsistent situation as of late. Um, his snap percentage has decreased in four consecutive weeks going from 90 down to 74. Is that news or noise to you? I think it's a little bit of news, but it's kind of already embedded in his value going from a low-end wide receiver two, honestly, to start the season to a flex. So I think that kind of is embedded in that value. Mm -hmm. And I think it has a lot to do with Taylor Heineke just being more familiar with McLaurin, and therefore he's been more consistent. So I don't think that it's like... I think his value is depreciating Mm -hmm. rightfully, and I don't think it's going to get much worse. Okay, that's fair. Um, and then I, don't, I didn't really have any notes about it, but I did want to mention Jahan Dotson uh, still kind of struggling through that hamstring issue of his own. Um, uh, I think you'll agree with me in saying that whenever Jahan Dotson does finally get back in the starting lineup, I would probably hold him on my bench just one week to see how his usage yeah. is um, with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. You know, probably a lack of chemistry there in general um, with... Dotson not getting a lot of practice reps so uh something to monitor there moving forward but also once he's back you may have to wait wait may have to wait one extra week to get him in your lineup yeah to start the season going into drafts we thought McLaurin would be the only like consistent option in this offense and it's kind of getting back to being that point but it didn't start the season necessarily that way yeah not at all um all right let's move on to the uh, first afternoon games the late slate if you will um, and that's Seahawks at Cardinals. We've already seen these teams face off once. Uh, it was a 9-19 to 19 barn burner. Um, <laughs> so interesting to see if that, that will repeat with Cardinals being the home team in this one. Um, for the Seahawks, we finally saw a modest fantasy performance for Ken Walker. He's been kind of light in the world on fire since he took the starting <laughs> job. Um, but he rushed 18 times for 51 yards and a touchdown. Also caught one of two targets for a yard. Um, so limited usage in the passing game still. Um, still managing to find the end zone, uh, but only got you about 12 points in this one. He remains a lineup lock given his volume. Uh, I don't think there's any arguing that. No, um, I agree. Yeah, so we can move on to the pass catchers. DK Metcalf, who got who saw 10 targets last week, and Tyler Lockett, who saw 8 targets of his own. Um, are both high upside plays at wide receiver. However, not a great matchup, given as how we've already seen these teams play each other. Metcalf had 5.4 fantasy points, and Lockett had 3.7 when they faced off last time. And which week did they play each other? If you can uh, remember that. I'll pull it up for you. One sec. It. Yeah. Um, because that might have something to do with it a little bit, in my opinion. But yeah, so, still I would... It was at Seattle in week six, not too long ago. Okay, so not too long ago. So yeah, this probably is legit. If it was very early, I'd probably be more inclined to be like, eh, maybe this Gino offense Smith. has gotten better, found yeah. its found its identity, as we said a lot last episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's probably more uh, accurate that it was more recent, and now it's in Arizona. So yeah. Yeah, I want to say in general, uh, Arizona's been good about defending wide receivers. Um, so 
probably something there more likely than nothing yeah um yeah for moving sure. on to the cardinals on this one james connor with his ribs issue has been deemed day to day monitor his status he's missed three straight games heading into week nine uh, and then DeAndre Hopkins puts up monster numbers in back-to-back weeks, catching 12 of 13 targets for 159 yards and a touchdown. You love to see that. I think uh, he's leading like every receiving stat since he's been back. Yeah, I mean, he, across the league, he is like I said, putting up monster numbers. Uh, he's Kyler's yeah. number one target, his number two target, maybe even his number three target. Um, <laughs> with uh, with Rondell Moore, we talked about him last week, kind of saying, you know, are you are you leaning towards uh, trusting him as your flex or giving him one week to prove it? And if you gave him that trust, he definitely yeah. paid off. Uh, 23.4 fantasy points in week eight, eight or more targets in three of the last four games, and six or more receptions per game in that same span. I gave him one week to prove it, and that he did. <laughs> uh, we're picking different on this one. I'm taking the Seahawks on the road. You are choosing the Cardinals in this one at home. Uh, they're the two-point favorite, and I want to double-check who won that game against Seattle. I'm not last sure. week, or no? When they last played. Yeah, when they last played. Let when they last see. played, they gave they allowed 19 points, so they lost that game. I'm picking the Seahawks Old. to sweep the series. I thought you were going to join me a little bit, but you are pulling from relevant stats, so fair enough. Fair enough. Got to go with my Cardinals. They're not the they're not the favorites a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. All right, let's talk about Rams at Bucks next. Uh, Cooper Cup is expected to Oof. play after suffering an ankle injury last week. Uh, it gave some fantasy managers some anxiety in that scenario, uh, but he looks like he's going to play this week, so that's good. Monitor his status. Uh, for Allen Robinson, he is flirting with flex numbers, catching five of seven oh, targets God. for 54 yards last week. Six or more. T- I'm going to make a claim, make a make a case for him, and you can you can I know. you can push back if you want. Six or more targets in three of his last four games. Double digit fantasy scoring in back to back games. With six teams on a bye, it's important to note that. Does Robinson warrant flex consideration? I just feel like the ceiling's so low with him. Um, if Cup is somehow out even though that doesn't seem to be where it's trending Mm -hmm. definitely i would be starting robinson okay but i think that you can find better options um i I just need to see something better than a measly 10.4 points from five catches like eh, eh. (laughs) that's kind of how i feel about it I, i i'm i don't feel too bad about having him on my bench and i it's not like he burned me last week he just did all right yeah so He's got to prove it to me even more because he did burn me to start the season. So I guess I'm maybe a little bit uh, uh, tender about that. <laughs> that's that's completely understandable. Um, speaking of, Tyler Higby only caught two of his six targets for 15 yards in Week 8. Uh, back in Week 6, he also had a very bad game, another single-digit performance. He This is his third single-digit fantasy performance in seven games played this season. Uh, temporary left the game last week with a neck injury, so that's not a good sign. Um, monitor his status for this matchup. I think if you can maybe start someone else in his place. I mean, yeah. it depends because Higby was not a, a highly drafted player, so you likely uh, picked him up off of waivers and, you know, rode with him for the first month or so of the season. Um, but he's been struggling as of late. And so with that neck injury potentially, you know, sticking around, I think that there might be safer options elsewhere. How about this? Kyle Pitts or Tyler Higby? 
this week? Um, I would choose Pitts. I think I would too. I mean, we've yeah. seen two of Higby's last three games have been underwhelming, I yeah. believe, because yeah. uh, they had a bye. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I think you have to trust in Pitts. <laughs> didn't, didn't seem too bold going into the season, but yeah, that's just one example of a lineup decision. Sure. Um, On to the running backs here. Daryl Henderson dropped in snap percentage from 71% before their bye week to 41% in week eight. It's important to note he was dealing with an illness. Uh, This is more than likely news rather or sorry, noise rather than news. Um, Say this one five times fast. Rookie running back Ronnie Rivers reverted back to the (laughs) practice squad. (laughs) Um, I was seeing a lot of people picking up uh, Ronnie Rivers on like the trending feature in Sleeper. Um, I don't even think he has a picture, does he? Well, he's a rookie, so give him a chance. But he's he was on the practice <laughs> squad, so um, fair enough. This is this is also noise, I believe. There's no reason to have Ronnie Rivers on your roster. There's another one for you. Um, the player that I am interested in, again, I'll mention Kyron Williams. Uh, could return from IR this week. This is not the week to start him, however, unless you're absolutely desperate, uh, as Tampa Bay is often among the league's best at defending the run. So monitor that situation. But this is like a, you know, kind of future uh, conversation. And, and then Cam Akers, who was no surprisingly close. not dealt at the trade deadline, yeah. um, reports indicate that the that the team is going to attempt to work with his agent Uh, to get him back playing for the team. It's kind of a weird situation that they're holding him out for personal reasons, and then when they don't get a deal done, they're like, hey, you want to (laughs) play? So... (laughs) I I saw, like, a trade that I thought was officially proposed to another team, and it was, like, surprising that they didn't take him Mm -hmm. uh, from the Rams. I don't don't remember the exact example, so I'm not going to make one up. Okay. But... Uh, quite the offense from the defending Super Bowl champs. <laughs> yeah, they're they're definitely limping into this one. We'll say. Um, yeah. With the Bucks on the other side of this game, nothing really changed for me between Week Eight previews and now. Tom Brady is more than likely your best option if you roster him, and <laughs> Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Leonard Fournette remain lineup locks. I know you're giggling because I have uh, Joe Burrow. Burrow. Yes, I know yeah. that's that's so funny to you, but. Um, <laughs> Hey, I, I traded for I him. I agree with that. I traded for I him at that. season low value. What do you want from me? No, I no, I agree. I'm just saying that you're the you're an ex- exception to that more than likely statement. But yes. I think it is more than likely. I think that's true. You yes. started the season with Stafford and Brady. Yeah. So, so that was a hell of a change, right? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think Stafford's heading into this week as the QB 24. So in two team, or sorry, in two quarterback 12 team leagues, he's your guy. All right. I kind of forgot we had to pick this game. We do have to pick this game, and I am choosing the Buccaneers. Were they both on bye? Oh, wait, no. No. Buccaneers are Thursday. Yeah. Uh, They put up a pretty good fight. Not great, but... Fine. Brady at home. All right. Over a team I'm equally not passionate about, so... (laughs) Okay. There you go. Uh, Moving on to Sunday Night Football. We're here on the home stretch now. Uh, Titans... 12 and a half point underdogs on the road at the Chiefs. No surprise here. My one note, start Derrick Henry. Um, I'm going to join you. In... I hate this team. <laughs> I'm going to join you. I honestly you hate them. In picking the Chiefs. I hate them. 
Um, but that's it. Start Derrick Henry. He's uh, back to being the king. It's good to see him uh, healthy and continuing his dominance at the position. Um, but moving on to the Chiefs here, Patrick Mahomes, they're coming off of a week eight bye, by the way. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster are all lineup locks. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a flex consideration. Kansas City acquired Kadarius Toney, who has been dealing with a hamstring injury most of the year uh, via trade last week. And Andy Reid is quoted as saying Tony is healthy now. Uh, so monitor his usage <laughs> in this one. Uh, I also heard that Tony uh, went on social media and said, I'm healthy now. And people kind of gave him flack because, you know, the optics of being traded to a playoff contender yeah. and then being like, oh, yeah, I'm good to play, y'all. <laughs> it's like, okay, buddy. Yeah. So yeah, I, I saw a lot of memes about it, and it's it's crazy because the Giants are six and two, uh, same record as the Chiefs. Is that right? Uh, or maybe one game more. No, that's that's correct. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah, but I would say the Chiefs are more legit. But yeah, I think Tony probably. Uh, you you probably take the Chiefs. Fine. You take the Chiefs up against the Giants. They're probably going to win every single time. For sure. Um, but it's interesting to say that he wasn't fleeing like a bottom tier team, uh, at least by no, what the record. No, is. yeah, definitely. Um, but Tony is an athletic playmaker on the field when healthy. Uh, we've seen him put up almost near 200 receiving yard game uh, uh, last season. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he fits in with this offense. Uh, I would have loved to pick him up. But you already had you already picked him up, so uh, hey, there you go. That's that's just the way the cricket crumbles. Uh, Blake Schefter. That's right. Uh, Michael Hardman scored three touchdowns on six touches in Week Seven. That's got to be one of your favorite stat lines ever. Um, Never touch a Hardman. This was a fun DFS play. I'm gonna I'm gonna breeze past that. Um, <laughs> he was a fun DFS play. Um, unreliable usage in season long fantasy. Only a flex consideration in deeper leagues. Um, really, not much else to add there. Uh, with Clyde, Ed- Clyde Edwards-Alaire, this is why we call him CEH, um, he's a touchdown-dependent flex. Uh, interesting to note that Isaiah Pacheco was named the starting running back in Week 7 prior to their bye week. Yeah. Uh, monitor his usage this week. Otherwise, most likely a desperation flex play for Pacheco. Um, yeah, It's still a committee. I really don't know why they decided to name Pacheco as the starter. It seemed like ceremonial, not really anything yeah. meaningful. So uh, continue to monitor that one. Moving on to Monday Night Football, we have the Ravens with their uh, long break from Thursday to now the following Monday. Uh, Up against the Saints. Gus Edwards with his hamstring injury is considered day-to-day. Playing on Monday night necessitates having a contingency plan in the form of Kenyon Drake or starting a safer option earlier in the week. Uh, You don't want to find yourself on Monday night taking a zero from Edwards if he gets ruled out in this one. Yeah, yeah. That does make it awkward for whoever manages him in your league. Yeah, um, with Rashad Bateman and his foot injury that's re- that's flared back up again. Um, expected to miss multiple weeks. Baltimore will be on a bye next week. I'm going to ask you, Carson, and I think it's going to make you sad a little bit, but um, is, is Bateman droppable in leagues without an IR? Say it ain't so. Um, I think that if you have a really bad record, yeah. If you don't, I wouldn't drop him. So, I mean that's fair. That's fair. Like the, the the concern though is like with me all year in games where he didn't score a touchdown, he's been bad. Like five point nine yeah. at New England, four point seven versus Buffalo. Those aren't great matchups, obviously. Eight point two against Cleveland in week seven, 
and then a zero at Tampa Bay on Thursday because he left that game hurt. So, honestly, going into week three, I was skeptical after having him for his first two weeks where he did really good because yeah. I thought that uh, it's going to be hard to keep this up. It's been long touchdown after long touchdown. But yeah. that being said, I still feel like uh, being Lamar Jackson's number one wide receiver and Lamar Jackson has been, uh, he started the season extremely efficient passing. And, you know, I think he can go back to that level. So I still want someone, I, I, I still think he has value. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's I'll no just... reason to hold on to him despite yourself if you're needing yeah. to fill that slot. I feel like he's not the difference in me playing a uh, unreliable player in my starting lineup. So that's why I feel like I can just hold on to him. No, I get that. I think, I think it's important, yeah, to say that if you need to, uh, Bateman is droppable. Um, moving on, if you roster Mark Andrews, who's uh, ailing with a shoulder injury, you need to have rookie tight end Isaiah Likely on your roster as well. Likely filled in extremely effectively while Andrews was ruled out early on Thursday Night Football, catching six of seven targets for 77 yards and a touchdown. Um, I don't know how much of that game you watched, but he looked like a wide receiver out there. He's wearing number 80. He's pretty slender. Yeah. And uh, just not exactly the tight end build that you would expect, but obviously, a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I believe, a converted wide receiver from college. And mm. uh, he, he looked the part. He played great in that game. And, and if you roster Andrews, this is kind of the only scenario where I'm really considering rostering likely uh, because what is your alternative if Mark Andrews gets the nod? You're stuck with likely maybe getting three points on your, on your team. So. Yeah. Not it's scenario. a it's a very specific scenario where you can use him. Uh, uh, not that often that you have the opportunity to advocate for a tight end handcuff, but I think this legitimately is one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on to the Saints in this one, Alvin Kamara exploded for three total touchdowns and over forty fantasy points last week. 18 for 62 on the ground and a touchdown, and 9 for 10 for 96 yards and two additional touchdowns last week. Awesome there. Moving on, Chris Olave continues to provide solid value as a rookie wide receiver. Um, and here's here's how we're going to end the show. It's a little bit of a sour note, but Michael mm. Thomas, with his foot injury, now apparently has no timetable for his return, according to head coach Dennis right. Allen. Here we go again. Are you <laughs> right? Are you holding Thomas, or are you looking to trade him away so he can become someone else's problem moving forward? If someone's looking to trade for him, I would definitely entertain the idea, but I just don't know how likely that is. I would not drop him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really think that's a likely consideration but yeah i it would be nice if he was someone else's problem if you had him uh so yeah that's what i'll say i could have yeah. never told you the name of the saints head coaches by the way so i saw <laughs> that name and i was like what but then i saw hc so yeah fun times yeah um so that concludes the show um, oh you're picking the ravens and i'm picking the saints that's that's something that's happening right here this yeah. i don't even know how many times we've differed not too many but this is one right here yeah um so that is how it's going to go for monday night on that one um thank you all so much for watching and or listening and uh we will see you again next week peace out everybody